Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, invites you to be the informed patient with the podcast that features experts from Central New York's only academic medical center. I'm your host, Amber Smith. Today, I'm talking about an energy healing technique known as Reiki with Bob Crandall. He's an assistant chaplain in Upstate's spiritual care department, and he coordinates the adult Reiki team. Welcome to the informed patient, Mr. Crandall. Great to be here. People may have heard of Reiki without understanding what it is or how it works. Can you explain? The National Cancer Institute defines energy healing as a form of complementary and alternative medicine based on the belief that it's the vital energy flows through the human body. The goal of energy healing is to balance the energy flow in the patient. And let me put it in terms that people already knew that they don't realize that it's energy healing. Um, one, um, a person comes up behind you and you just feel uncomfortable. Their energy is off from yours. It feels creepy, if I can use that word. And then on the other side of that positive side, um, toddlers running around, skins and knee, I'm running to mom. And as soon as mom gets close, pain actually goes away and the child settles down. She's actually using positive energy, which is actually has a healing effect. We also know that when a person is in a negative zone, so to speak, the immune system doesn't seem to work as well. But when they are comfortable and relaxed, the immune system is at its peak. That's why doctors try to relax the patient before going into an operation. We know from research, it just works better. And that's why we use energy. Well, Reiki's been around for a while. Can you tell us about the history? The term has been around um, from the early 1900s, 1920s. Actual energy healing piece has been around 2,500 years. There's a Greek physician back 500 years before Christ, a guy named Pachetes. And he is quoted as saying, it is believed by experienced doctors that the heat which oozes out of the hand on being applied to the sick is highly salutary. Now, he actually goes on to say that disease and infection can sometimes be pulled from the patient. So this energy healing stuff has been around 25 years. Now, he was Greek. In the time of Christ, as people mentioned, called Gentiles. Many of the Gentiles were Greek physicians. So they were doing this hands-on type of thing, you know, in addition to Christ. Now, I'm not going to say the results were the same. They weren't. But that's how it, you know, continued. Down to the Christian world, there's still some of that going on. It's not as prevalent. But in the Eastern side of this, Eastern medicine, it continued. Now, it kind of died down a little bit um, 19th, 20th century. But a guy, re, we like to say, refounded it. A guy named Yusui Macau. He was doing some meditation in that, and he found that he had this power. Again, we all have it, but the bigger issue is learning to get out of the way of it and allowing it to work. Now, I also should say the term Reiki, many people think that's a Japanese term, meaning, you know, Rei and Ki, which it is not. It's a Sanskrit word. Sanskrit is a language that was around way, 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 way back thousands and thousands of years ago before the languages, the different languages. 
It was all one. So Sanskrit is a base language. And in Sanskrit, Reiki means spiritual healing. You could say it means laying out of hands. Same concept. So today in modern times, is Reiki used instead of or in addition to medical treatment? Never say instead of. There's good reasons why the great medical care that we give here in upstate, for example, there's reasons for pain meds. There's reason for other kind of uh, medical techniques. Reiki is, a, is what we like to call a complementary, or the better term, integrative medicine. It's used with, and an example, I guess, of that would be we work with pain management. Pain meds are really important. We found that, you know, if we do a lot of pain med, that sometimes it can have a, a lasting effect. So they take pain down where it's manageable, but sometimes they will ask us to go also, and we can take it down some more without messing with the brain. An interesting piece of that is an amputation. When there's an amputation, there is a phantom pain. So very often orthopedics or pain meds, pain management will ask us to go um, and we'll do rape on that limb and the phantom pain goes away, probably within five or 10 minutes. So we work with, never instead of. Are there scientific studies backing up that Reiki works? Absolutely. Let me go back a little ways. 1963, Syracuse University, a couple of professors were playing around with a device and they found that there was some energy coming from the heart emanating and they measured it. Um, and it's actually what got us going with the EKG that we use today. Energy within the body and so it's there. Later on, around the 1980s, a couple of guys at the University of Colorado started playing around with this body energy and found that certain organs of the body work on certain frequencies, anywhere from a half a cycle to 30. For example, bones work on seven cycles. Later on, probably around year 2000, when people were using Reiki or healing touch, they measured what was coming from a practitioner's hands. And they found it was a half a cycle to 30. So in so doing, they found that that supplemented the normal energy of the body. Let's talk about the potential health benefits of Reiki. Who's a good candidate and what sorts of conditions have you been able to use Reiki to help? Let me tell you how we got going with this. My background is actually as an engineer, electrical engineer for 30 years. When I came to Upstate, which was in 2014, one of the things that I wanted to find out or I kind of just understand myself is what benefit there was going to be for both cancer patients and inpatients. So I was taking some data. Now it's not an official research project, you know, at all and control studies and all that, but it gives an idea at least subjectively what was going on. And we found a 60, 65% reduction in pain. Now that's for someone who has pain. If they don't have pain, we didn't count down. Someone who was anxious, we found the 70% reduction in anxiety. We also found with sleep, it actually will help a person to sleep because it relaxes them. And it's very often that when someone's getting Reiki within 10 or 15 minutes, they're asleep. 
So we've had cases where they haven't slept well for two or three days, and yet we'll provide some Reiki and they will actually fall asleep. But we've had all sorts of things. We work a lot with pain management. As I mentioned, pain meds are awesome. We believe in them. The staff will provide pain meds and they'll take it down to where it's manageable or by. They may ask us to integrate with them and take it down some more. Very often we can take it to zero. Do you think that Reiki could be of help to someone who is skeptical of its powers? If they're skeptical, it, it will probably still work. If they're totally uncomfortable with it, and it will not. And it's funny how many people are like, well, I don't know. And we come will try it and they go, whoa. We find that a lot with people who are in pain. They may be really skeptical of this is even going to help. My pain is so bad. And then they're amazed at how, how well it will work. We do a lot of work with burn patients who always have pain. And I mentioned the amputee. A lot of times the doctor will ask us to go in when there is an amputation and it can relieve the phantom pain. There's other things they do that aren't quite as effective, but we find within five or 10 minutes, it's gone. It stays away while they're in the hospital. I don't know if it's permanent, whether it goes away. I'm not sure, but at least while they're here, we know it works. Now, do you recommend people commit to a series of Reiki sessions or is there benefit from a single session? I'm going to separate here the, the outside world with us here at the outside world when practitioners are doing Reiki. Very often it's a preventive type of thing um, where they come in, you know, every couple of weeks or once a month, similar to having massage therapy. It's a great preventive thing. At the hospital, we kind of triage it. Someone's got a lot of anxiety, you know, we'll, we'll try it, see how it's working. They go back a couple of times a week. Um, someone with pain, we try to see them more often because the pain typically will come back because of their condition. So we try to see them three, maybe four times a week, wherever we have folks to do that. Um, so it's really triage kind of thing with cancer patients. Um, we see them when their appointments are. So someone's on a treatment schedule of chemotherapy every two weeks, we set up, we see when their appointment is and we'll do it during those this is Upstate's The Informed Patient Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Smith. I'm talking with Bob Crandall, an assistant chaplain from Upstate's Spiritual Care Department. He's the coordinator of the adult Reiki team, and we're talking about the potential benefits of Reiki. So why does Upstate offer Reiki? I think partially, you know, being a teaching hospital, they're open to a lot of different modalities, integrative therapies. There's more than just Reiki, it's done here. I mean, that's my forte. But we find it's a good, if like anxiety, you can do something with pain meds for anxiety, but it's not per se in the best way. So a lot of times they'll use Reiki where we can settle a person down. Same way with sleep, you can use sleeping pills. We're using this in conjunction with all of the other things. Very effective. So we do it for patients. We do it for cancer patients, outpatients. We do it for staff. We also do it for caregivers. I had a guy, he was working on something, a doctor, and he was holding his back. And I just said, would you want to try some Reiki? And he you know, continued doing what he was doing. And I just did something to his back and took that pain away. We feel if we can do it for staff and they can take care of the patients that much better. So we offered to them. And 
we're trying to take the stress down one nurse or one doctor at a time. So it's always open to them. With families, try to do it through the caregiver. So we have a husband, let's say, who's had a heart attack or whatever, and they're looking for Reiki, and, and the wife is there. We will have the wife put her hand over her husband, and I will do Reiki, any one of us will do Reiki on the wife's back. She will get the benefit of it. She will also provide it to her husband, which has a huge uh, psychological, whatever it is. But when you're visiting a patient, it can be exhausting. Because there's not a lot you can do. You can get them a drink of water, but it's a little frustrating. It's like us guys when our wives are having children. You know, it's hard to be able to have something to do. By doing it through, they're now part of the solution. I find it makes it much better. I'll give you a little funny story of a person who, um, they were Oriental. And mom didn't speak much English. Uh, but I went in to see her daughter, who was probably 25, 30. And I was doing some Reiki for her. And then I asked mom, would you like to help? And the daughter translated. And she came over and said, and again, we were doing it through. The next time I came in, the mom was sitting in the chair. And I just said that her daughter would like some Reiki today. And, and the mom goes, wait, 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 wait. And came over and sat down next to her. So that was kind of cute. But she, I think partially too, she wanted to be able to do So that's something we did. How many sessions of Reiki are typically given in a, a week? Like 20 to 25. Um, last year we did almost 2,000, 1,960 sessions. 1,290 of those were inpatient. 153 were outpatients. 131 were family caregivers. And 300 of staff. Um, so we get around. Besides me, we have six volunteers uh, that come in. A couple of them in a couple of days a week. Uh, others one day a week. So it's it's dependent on, you know, between sickness and vacations and all. It, it all depends on how many we hear. But roughly 20 to 25 sessions a week is what we're doing. So how does a patient set up a session of Reiki, and is there a charge? Everything is free, whether it's in the hospital, out of the hospital. And be honest with you, Part of that is we don't want to get into the hassle of recording in and putting in insurance, all that kind of stuff. It's just too much of a hassle. We're doing it because we want to do it. I happen to be on staff because I'm coordinating it, but our six volunteers are here because they love it, love doing it for people. But how does this happen? We'll take burn patients. When burn patients come in, I'm part of that team, and I will go to them and ask them if they would like it. For others, we may get a consult from a nurse. Sometimes from a nurse practitioner or even a doctor who asks us to go try it with them. So it's all sorts of different ways. Sometimes we're just looking at a census and if we see somebody that come in with a lot of pain, well, one of us will just go and talk to them. The other piece of it, and I think this is unique, that if, if you get Reiki today, we go in your chart and we put a note in a comment section that says Reiki. If you're discharged tomorrow and come back two years from now, that pops up again. So we will go right back to providing it again. It doesn't take another referral. So same way with cancer patients. See, look at when their appointments are. 
and we set it up for someone to go see them when they're there. Now, it doesn't mean we don't miss somebody, but a patient also sometimes just tells the nurse, can you ask someone to come over? And we do that. So it's a lot of different ways, but what we're trying to be is proactive. Some of that, I think, is my engineering piece of making lists and databases and all those kinds of things. How do you tell people to prepare for a session of Reiki? They can be comfortable with what it amounts to, but there's nothing special. It's a cancer patient using sitting, and we'll do it, you know, behind a chair and do it on their back. We also have a room in the cancer center that's set up with a massage table, nice lights and music. That's the conventional way in the real world. We don't have that luxury, you know, typically, but if someone's getting radiation treatment, for example, we certainly can't do it in the middle of that. They can make an appointment before or after they won't use that room. For an inpatient, we take it as it is. However, that patient is comfortable. We never move them and it's going to work no matter. A lot of people have a concept that it's got to be laying down and relaxed and all that. I've actually cases where I followed a patient down the hall as they're doing their physical therapy. Someone who's in a lot of pain, it still works, even though they're doing something else. But if patients on the chair and they're comfortable there, we'll do it there. We've done it to people in wheelchairs. It doesn't matter. We actually had one not too long ago. Um, patient was very, very anxious about a procedure that was going on. I got there when they were getting her ready to go for that procedure. And I just walked with her and we talked and did it as she was going along. And when, when she got down and dipped before the procedure, she was kind of and a little bit more. Like at sometimes a guided meditation, it seems to fit with the relaxation and it also gives control to them. How long does a session typically last? Again, outside world, a typical session. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to maximize the time that we have, but also the amount of sessions that we can provide. For pain, uh, we'll ask how their pain is. Uh, a lot of times it's five or 10 minutes and the pain is down appreciably. Sometimes it's a little longer and it takes a little longer. We'll stay until we get it down where it stops going down. But typical sessions for us, Maybe 10 or 15 minutes is all they need. A lot of times, even if they've got a lot of pain, they fall asleep. We know their pain's gone down or they wouldn't be able to sleep. So 10 or, 10 or 15 minutes is typically it. Now, there's another piece to this is that we have spiritual care volunteer who happen to do late. So we're visiting patients and trying to work on the whole person. So we're going in, we're visiting, see how they're doing. If they're angry, we let them yell at us, you know, and if they're frustrated, we let them download the frustrations and all that, which goes directly with this calming down, helping them feel comfortable and the Reiki becomes integrated. And that's the big picture of spiritual healing. We're not talking about religious healing. Spiritual care, I can give a minute. Spirituality is the big picture of what gives you some foundation of what, what is your purpose of those kinds of things. And that's what we're working on. You know, you got the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. So we're, we're working on that. And sometimes the person said, I don't want Reiki, but I'd like to go. So our people will still do because that's important to them. I'm curious, will a person feel anything during a Reiki session? 
most times people will feel heat. And that's an interesting thing too. When you're with people that you're really comfortable with, your temperature actually goes up a little bit anyway. You may not notice it, but sometimes that can occur. You know, getting a hug from someone and all of a sudden you feel warm. But that's what comes from our hands. Typically warm, sometimes the buzzing. Funny story, I had a guy, we, you know, we had gloves on at, at that point, and I was doing some lengthy ground. And he said, wow, let me see those gloves. Those are really cool. They're warm. He didn't realize it was coming from my hand. Interesting. Um, but that's, I guess that's another place I like to like, do a little side by here. It doesn't have to be directly on the patient. It's typically two or three inches away. We've actually done it where someone has had, say you had Reiki on Monday, and now it's Wednesday, and we go to see you and you are sleeping. We'll still do Reiki because we know you, you want it, but we'll do it from the door so that you don't wake up and we scare the daylights out of you. We actually had a nurse who was doing it during COVID through the glass door, which you didn't have to physically interact. But we found that it kind of stabilized blood pressure and the oxygen would go up a point. So it could even be through the doors. Well, Mr. Crandall, I appreciate you making time for this interview and telling us about Reiki. I am thrilled to be able to share all the good work we're doing here. My guest has been Bob Crandall. He's an assistant chaplain in Upstate's Spiritual Care Department, and he coordinates the adult Reiki team. The Informed Patient is a podcast covering health, science, and medicine, brought to you by Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, and produced by Jim Howe. Find our archive of previous episodes at upstate.edu slash informed. This is your host, Amber Smith, thanking you for listening.